Good morning. I'll be reading from Philippians 4, 14 through 23. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even at Thessalonica you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you in spirit. The word of God for the people of God. Good morning. My name is Marco. I serve as the preaching and teaching pastor here at Storehouse McAllen. This morning, I'd love to introduce you to Pastor Jeff Neal from Logos Community Church in Harlingen. They are a sister church. Pastor Jeff has preached here at Storehouse McAllen on a number of occasions. He is a wonderful friend to me. He is a wonderful friend to Storehouse McAllen. He has discipled me and some of our people, our congregation here at Storehouse McAllen. And so uh, though I'm not here, know that I miss you. But for now, please welcome Pastor Jeff Neal. I, uh, I love I love that. That man get to hang out with him um, this week a little bit, and uh, I thank you for loving him well during this time. You know, just lost his mother very quickly. What just maybe a little over a week ago, and uh, I I would pray and ask you that you continue to love him because we know that that grief is not something that's just solved in a day or a funeral and. Uh, Many of you know that, and um, just continue to love him well as your shepherd. I, I pray and ask you, and and it, it's um, man. Thank you for the welcome. I uh, it, I preach sometimes. I get a chance to preach other places, but I don't. You know, I, I love those other places, and they they make me feel welcome. But I don't feel necessarily like at home. But I feel home here. I feel like I'm with my people, and that that is uh, that's in large part due to how you guys treat me and I think the the sisterhood between Logos and Storehouse and I pray that just grows and continues um, so I'm happy to be with you um, can we talk about your wallet this morning can we talk about your wallet the the great Texan Sam Houston when he he had professed to be a Christian but there was no apparently evidence and and he was this rough and tumble guy that I think the his nickname was was the big drunk or something like that and 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 then he married this woman that was just constantly praying for his salvation and at some point he did come to the Lord and he was being baptized and it was a big deal and he's walking down to the river and someone noticed his watch and said hey don't you want to take your watch off and he said thank you and he took his watch off and and then someone saw that he was also about to get in the water and hand his wallet and said, hey, don't you want to hand your wallet over? And he said, no, I think my wallet needs to get baptized too. Um, but I know that you are talking about stewardship this morning. And again, I just kind of want to ask you, can we, can we talk about giving? We in the church, we're, we're pretty good, I think, at pointing out pet sins in the world, a young man shacking up or... Um, 
And we should talk about those things and those things that the Bible speaks against. But sometimes we, I think, are not talking about the, the sin of the rich man that's living a life of luxury while others live very close by in poverty. We're not talking very often about greed, about stinginess. And there, I think there's a reason. I, I would argue that dis, in, in discipleship, in my you know, several decades of discipleship, Giving and sacrificial giving, and, and it is hard, one of the hardest things to talk about. You know, it is hard. I mean, we, we, I know that you do over here when men are discipling men and women are discipling women, and we do this over in Harlingen. We talk about all kind of things, but, but it's hard to begin to talk about stewardship of money. Even in the church sometimes it, it can be difficult. Um, we want that to be a private thing. What's true all through Scripture, though, is that it's not a private thing. It's not a private thing with Jesus. I I would say that he has some of his most public um, declarations against money sins. He has some of his biggest warnings against money sins. And and he knows, you, you can almost tell sometimes he's agonizing because he knows the threat that money is to the soul of his followers. He says, woe to you rich. Be warned. We want it to be private, but it's not private. One, uh, one pastor that I love in, in Florida, Ray Cortese, said, when you discuss giving, you are dealing with the number one North American idolatry. Even in, it's interesting, on our staff, we, we were trying to, um, we spent some time on our, as a staff looking at the culture of the valley and trying to see how is the valley distinct from other cultures. You know, we're not, you and I, we're not in San Francisco. We're not in Taiwan. We're not in Papua New Guinea. And so we need to figure out how do we bring the gospel to bear on our particular context. But it was interesting as we were discussing this on our staff Although we don't have the money that, that you see exhibited in, in San Francisco or maybe New York City, someone said, you know, the, the Valley shops. I mean, we spend money. Now, people may not have a lot of money, but, I mean, they're, they're at blowing money at Chuck E. Cheese. They're at the mall in McAllen. I mean, people spend money. And so don't think this morning as we get to talk about money, well, I can't rub two nickels together, so obviously the verse is not applicable to me. You can, you can not have a lot of money and still have money problems with the Lord. Do you understand that? And so what I want us to see some things this morning is there are some realities regarding money. One is that it is a necessary force for the advance of the gospel. Sacrificial giving is a necessary thing for the advance of the gospel. It's a real way for people to be in the game. And you see these things happening around the world and you say, I don't know that the Lord's ever going to call me. I don't know if I could go. I got all these things. You can go, in essence, by, by your giving. You can be in the game. You can, you can, it's an opportunity for worship. It's an opportunity for receiving blessing. And it is an excellent barometer of the heart of a Christian. It is a, it is a great barometer or a measure of the heart of a Christian. I said that it's a hard question in discipleship, but I think it's a fantastic question at some point in discipleship to say, tell me about your sacrificial giving. Not just, yeah, I, I believe it. Okay, t- 
tell, tell me about it. Tell me how you give and it actually hurts and you're not able to give to other things because it's a sacrifice. It's a great, a, a great discerning question about the heart of a man or woman. And so you saw the passage we're going to be in Philippians 4. Uh, and I, I just want to read real quickly the last, two, last three verses and tell you what's going on. So this is the end of, of the, Paul's letter to the Philippians. Notice what he says in verses 21 through 23. He says, Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. So it's a closing. And here's what Paul is, is acknowledging in that closing. The people that are around him in Caesar's household, many of them the guards that are shackling him, they're coming to faith. They were thinking in their culture that um, they would become gods at death, and they're, they're actually coming to know the living God by Paul's ministry. They are now included in the saints that, that greet the Philippian church. Think about that. And so Paul's trying to encourage this church to live out their faith and to think of their, their, their position as being citizens of a heavenly colony, not an earthly one, by a growing commitment in loving God and loving one another. And the church is being built. Prison guards, the church at Philippi. And you're going to see that, that, that Paul is recognizing this great love that the church at Philippi has for another church. So you've got people coming to faith in Rome, blessing the church in Philippi, Philippi blessing the church in Corinth. I think that's how it's supposed to work. And so we're going to spend most of our time in verses 14 through 20. But here's what we're going to do, kind of three things. Um, we're going to talk about the Philippians and their giving, which was very commendable. Then we want to talk about kind of in theory, kind of high level, gospel-centered giving. The theory of giving that we, we get from the Bible. And then we're going to talk about us practically. What does that look like? What does the stewardship of money look like? And when I was thinking of this, the title of this sermon, knowing where you guys are in this series, I was thinking, you know, we can call it about the, the, the stewardship of talents or the stewardship of finances. And I was like, I, I want to be very pointed. It's about money. It's about, because we say, yes, well, I understand stewardship and, and I serve in the nursery. And, I mean, that is a stewardship. Or I steward my, my time and my gifts. We, we don't, I'm talking about money this morning. Money. So let's talk about the Philippians. In, in the beginning of the letter, um, chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, Paul greets them, and this is what he says. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy. Why? Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Notice what he says in chapter 4 towards the end. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. So partnership, concern. He says, you were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. So Epaphroditus, Paul's, Paul's friend and co-laborer, had almost died. He brought this gift from the Philippians to Paul, and he almost died on the way. And Paul says, you guys were partners in what I'm doing in the spread of the gospel. 
from day one. Like you got saved and you began partnering in my ministry. You were participating. You were contributing. The New, New King James Version says, Your care for me has flourished again. Your partners. And, and sadly, many Christians don't partner today. They consume. They take. They don't contribute. It, it's not coming and being a part of the body of Christ. Many people are kind of thinking of the body of Christ as like, man, I'm going to see the next Marvel movie. And I want the seat to be very comfortable. In fact, maybe I want to lounge. Um, and I'm going to grade the service. And Izzy's singing and Marco's preaching. And, and like, you know, if it's not up to par, I'm going to leave and go to the church down the street that maybe is newer or is a little fancier. The, the picture of the Philippian churches, they were in. I mean, they were all in with their word, with their money. In fact, Paul says, your giving led to my joy. So we're talking stewardship, this series. They were good stewards, this Philippian church. They, they appear that from day one, they, they understood and felt the need that, that the mission required. Even, they, they, so they were concerned from day one, even sometimes when they didn't have the means. They were always thinking, how can we partner with the gospel by our, with our money? How can we participate with our money in the valuable work that Paul is doing? Because, I think someone read the verse earlier, we were dead in our trespasses. We're not dead anymore. We're alive in Christ. We want those people in that town to be alive, and it's going to take money. Paul, please, where can we send the money? How can we get the money to you? They were partners. And so, let's start then with verses 14 through 16 and see what Paul says. He says, Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving. No other church did except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. This was a giving church. He, when he says yet, he's referring back to what had happened before, that, that's the famous passage where he says, look, when I have a lot, I've learned to be content. When I don't have anything, I've learned to be content. And he says, in light of that, yet, you guys have been always ready to give to my needs. You shared in my trouble, physically. You relieved some of my angst when you gave. You know, the, when you talk to missionaries, um, when missionaries come into town, I, I pray that, like, if you can, you bring them into your community group um, or you, you, know, you invite them out to lunch. And here's what you'll find. Or maybe you can connect to a missionary online. And here's what you'll find. Like, they, they drive real vehicles that cost money. They put real gas in those vehicles. They have real insurance. They have real power bills and medical bills. They have real expenses and they buy food with money and Bibles and clothes and cell phones. And, and it's really hard for missionaries to ask 
It's really hard. Matter of fact, I bet if you polled 100 missionaries, almost all would say, if you, if you ask, what's the hardest thing? They're like, man, I hate to ask my friends for money. It's hard. And, and yet I love that we have this example from Paul. He's not afraid to say, look, the mission takes some money and you guys have been doing great. And, and so I appreciate Paul's sensitivity. If you read all through the, the epistles, you'll know that Paul tries to, he tries not to take extra. He works sometimes and makes tents because he, he doesn't want to be a burden on the churches. Paul's not trying to be like some fancy pastor, but he also is not afraid to say, hey, look, guys, you guys are meeting real needs when you give. And you guys have helped from your very beginning, from conversion. It, it, it's as if with those Philippian believers, giving was just the norm. You, the picture is that literally when they got out of the, the baptismal, someone, among other things, said, hey, you need to start reading your Bible or, or the scriptures that we pass around. You need to be in the body and in the assembly. You need to pray and you need to start giving. Like, that's not something when I'm like seven years as a Christian and I'll become very mature. They seem to get it right from day one. It was expected. It was normal. They were taught this as one was discipling another. This is how we give. This is why we give. And Paul, again, uses the partnership word. There's, there's this idea that there's one mission. There's one message. There's one mind. And this, this word partnership really kind of just gives a picture of two going in the same direction. Going for a walk and going in the same direction. Not going in different directions. Again, think of, of how some churches function. And there's like one professional that stands up and does all the ministry and everybody decides if they like it or not. And that's not the picture here. It's, it, the idea is that the church of Philippi, when other churches didn't, is funding the missional effort by their giving. They're involved. They stood out to Paul uniquely. Like no other church is doing what you're doing, church of Philippi. Other churches have a one-way relationship. They are receiving the gospel from us, but they right now not really contributing. You, Church of Philippi, are give, getting the gospel and you are giving. The gospel is a two-way thing with the Church of Philippi. This is a giving church. Paul moves on in verse 17. And I, I love the, the heart of the pastor, Paul. He says, not that I seek the gift. I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Again, I, I love a shepherd's heart when discussing money. And Paul had that. Paul, again, was not trying to build up the kingdom of Paul. Paul said, hey, there's many times, if you look through the, the epistle, Paul had a hard life. I'm so thankful that you have a pastor here, and I know it, a, a team, a board here, that is not trying to build up... Uh, little personal kingdoms. I don't even know if you're aware of this, That because Marco and I will talk, you know, sometimes at the end of the year, man, how's the church doing? And there's been times where, man, if we've had a little extra, we've tried to send a storehouse. And, and I know a couple years ago, you know, Marco, probably you don't know, cut his salary because he wanted to make sure that some other people got paid. You, do, you don't have, you have a shepherd like Paul 
who is not so concerned with the gift that you give, listen, but the fruit that increases to your credit. So just as the, the Philippians had to watch their motives in, in giving, Paul, as the receiver, had to make sure his motives were pure too. He had to watch his heart also. And, and his motive, and he would have real reasons, like the money was probably really needed. And his motive could have been, Philippians, give me your money. Like we have people literally that we're trying to get the, the word to, and we can't. But notice, that's not his primary motive. As a shepherd, he's concerned with the maturity of the church and their motives and their hearts and their rewards, their own rewards. He says, I, I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. What is that? I don't know exactly, but there was, a, I think, in the song or a scripture, I think it was a scripture read, right, during worship about not laying up treasures on earth, but laying them up, storing them up for the time to come. What does that mean? I don't know what exactly it means, but somehow when you give, church, you are investing from the time to come. And Paul says, that's what I want. I want your heart to be changed. That's my primary motive. Church of Philippi in commending you and asking you to be sacrificial givers. See, there's always something bigger. I asked this morning if I can talk about your wallet, but maybe a truer question would have been, can I talk about your heart? Because those things follow. <laughs> like They're connected, the Bible says. The Bible says, you show me a man's wallet, I'll tell you where his heart is. Or if you show me his heart, I'll, I'll know where his wallet is. As much as we would like to divorce them, the Bible says they're not divorced. They're not divorced. There's something bigger going on when we talk about giving. Notice what Paul says as he continues. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. A fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Here's what Paul is saying. You guys have given well. I'm, I am blessed and well taken care of. Thank you. God is good. And more importantly, he's saying that the gifts you have given in support of these other churches are a sacred worship offering to God. More than he's saying than you have blessed me, church, you have blessed God. The Proverbs say, like when you, uh, when you give to the poor, it says if you're lending to the Lord. That... Don't divorce like your sacrificial giving is a blessing. It is worship to God. And Paul reminds them, look, God is going to supply everything that you need. He owns everything. He always meets the needs of givers. I mean, getting and being supplied is not our motive, but it is a promise. 
Psalm 112, verse 5, good will come to those who are generous. I can say, I'm 53, I can say I have, when I'm doing a funeral, I have never done the funeral of a giver, someone that was just known in the, in the church as a giver, and I mean of their time, their money. I've, I've never done one where they're unsatisfied, dissatisfied, where they are kind of angry and mean and think, I, I'm I'm kind of wishing I had not given that much. The givers die happy. They die joyful. One, one uh, old saint said, we are never the poorer for having given. We're never the poorer for having given. And God gets the glory in all of that. God gets the glory in, in our giving. The th- Philippian church, such a great model in this stewardship of money from day one, individually and collectively being good givers. So, so what kind of theory can we develop? What kind of godly theory can we develop on this issue of, of giving from the Scriptures? I want to give you a few, I think three, like just big, big high-level ideas. The first is that giving is a lifestyle of worship made up by acts of worship. It is, it is a lifestyle of worship, like Romans 12, right? Because of all the things in Romans 1, 1 through 11, man, my entire life is an act of, of worship. Giving is a lifestyle of worship, and it's made up by acts of worship. It's a fragrant offering. Like, do you think of that when you kind of, I don't know whether you give online or you drop some, if y'all have a box here, that that is a, like God is pleased that there's a fragrant offering to God. It's, it's acceptable and pleasing to Him. Worship always involves sacrifice. Think about that. It's a sacrifice of singing when you don't want to sing. It's a sacrifice of time when you don't want to serve in storehouse kids. It's a sacrifice. Look. There's, I get it. There is a lot of things you could buy with money that you give to the Lord. It, it, there's a sacrifice involved. And yet, part of the theory of, of biblical giving is being sacrificial. I would say that if there's no pain, there's probably not a sacrifice. If, you, if, if you're Bill Gates and you give a million dollars, that's not really a sacrifice. But for some people, giving $10 would be a sacrifice. So, so the, again, the first point, that giving is a spiritual act between a man or a woman and their God. Not so much a man and another man. It's not so much you to storehouse, you know, P.O. Box, or you to even market. It's, it's between you and I and our God. It's a spiritual thing. Number two, giving is about the heart. It's a hard issue. Think about this. Historically, not just in the Bible, but in the early church, even what happens overseas, the church has been poor and has given from poverty, not abundance. I think that you and I sometimes, unless you're like very versed in like overseas and what's happening in the third world, uh, or you're, you're really well read on church history, in the West, we can kind of think sometimes because in a lot of cities and in America, for instance, you know, ch- church people like have money. That's not really been the case historically. 
It's not been the case around the world. Most of the time, Christians have been poor. And they've been giving out of that poverty, not out of just like, oh, I'm counting all my stacks. I don't know what to do. I'll send a thousand to a storehouse. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, for instance. Paul says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. They were dirt poor and gave abundantly. They gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means and of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. Begging to give. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. What could happen in the valley if we had believers in churches begging? Where's the next church plant we can fund? Where's the next missionary here or across the border? See, from the gospel, when people are, are, are captivated by the love and lordship of Jesus Christ, here's what the Bible says. Speech, good speech flows from that type of person. Kindness flows from that type of person. Forgiveness flows from that type of person. And, and good stewardship, giving flows from that type of person. Giving's about the heart. Number three, giving is something to excel in. This is not an afterthought. Let me scrape money out of the console um, and throw something in. Again, to the Corinthians, chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, should you serve, I, I pray that Storehouse excels in all of those things, and, and Logos does. See that you excel in this act of grace also. He's talking about giving. See that you excel in giving. Giving is how the gospel, the story of Jesus Christ gets told. Strive to be a generous giver and give generously. So that is the theory. I think, I think that is pretty solid. But now I want to talk about the practice. Because um, theoretical givers don't change the world. Theoretical givers who give in mind or thought or agree, mm, that, that's, that's true, will not change. You, won't, we, you and I will not change the valley by having just the right theory of giving. So the practice, listen to what James says in chapter 2. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things that are needed for the body, what good is that? I think there an application could be made. What good if you say yes? You cross your arms and smoke in your pipe, and you're like, hmm, I think that is very biblical, and... If you're not reaching for your wallet, it's practical. And so I, I want to just practically, look, there are some that, that might argue on one side, hey, man, 
I'm not, I don't want to hear the word tithe. I give if I want, when I want. And then there might be another extreme. And now there could be a biblical case, at least in one instance for this, from Acts chapter 4, that you give everything, right? I mean, they literally sold property and they didn't say, let me calculate in a certain percentage. They gave everything. All right, so there's some extremes. The reality is if 100 people are in this room, statistics say that 52 might be giving sacrificially and 48 almost give nothing. Either nothing or a very small amount. And so the question comes up, well, should we tithe? I hear that word. I was brought up maybe hearing that word, and it's left a bad taste in my mouth. It's from the Old Testament. We're, we're not in the Old Covenant, right? That was a mosaic thing, and we're New Covenant now. And let me just say the reality in the Old Testament is that most scholars say they were probably giving not just because that was a portion of their giving. They were probably giving like 20 to 25% of what they made, what they brought in, in food and in, in money and stuff. Um, it was not a small sacrifice. Um, but, but we know, right, you and I, we're not in the Old Covenant. We're in the New Covenant, Galatians 3, Romans 7. And so the tithe was tied to the temple um, and, and the tabernacle, and we're the temple of God now. So, so we can say, well, we don't need to worry about that. But we learn precepts from the Old Covenant. And Jesus, now this is, this is when He was living under the law, He commands tithing. And actually, when you see Jesus, He normally doesn't soften things in the New Testament. He normally ramps things up. The, the, the Old Testament talks, for instance, about um, adultery. And Jesus says, hey, well, hold on. If you've even looked at a woman with lust, that's adultery. The Old Testament talks about, the Old Covenant talks about murder. And Jesus says, oh, by the way, if you hate your, your neighbor, that's murder. So I think it could be argued that Jesus might say, yeah, you guys are wanting to argue about 10% or whatever. Man, yeah, let's say it's not 10. Maybe it should be 15 or 20. I think Jesus would say, I want you guys to go past the Old Covenant. The reality, though, I don't think we should argue to try to be less generous than the Old, old Covenant, but more generous. It's probably if, if, if we were in the Sudan and we're dealing with people that, I mean, they're, they're eating dirt. We probably should not be saying, yeah, you need to be giving 10%. But in the West, maybe it's fair to say, hey, why are we only giving 10%? So what, what are some good practices? These are things that I have learned from the Bible and just, I think, things I've learned through life. And I just want to submit them to you. The first would be, as you are remembering all the theory, that we give generously, we give sacrificially, we give because our heart has been changed by the Lord, we seek to excel in giving. I love hearing stories of like a husband and wife saying, hey, this year, as we're kind of setting our goals, um, how can we give more than we gave last year? How can we excel in our family? In parents, include your kids. I do. I try, I've always tried from day one, hey, this is what our family does. And yes, sometimes our family doesn't take a vacation, or we, we drive a car that's 14 years old, and your neighbors have a car that's two years old. But sometimes, guys, that's because we have decided that we want to invest in the kingdom of God. Include your kids from an early age. So it starts with the heart. And so two things that I would say practically. The first would be, 
Give in a disciplined manner. As you're trying to steward your money well, give in a very disciplined manner. And this is what I'm talking of. Again, you can argue 10%. You might say, no, I'm only going to give 8 or someone says 15 I don't really care about that. But give whatever it is. Make your mind up. If you're married or you have a family, make your mind up. This is what we're going to do. And I mean every paycheck, every, every time we get some extra, we sell a house. This is what we're going to do. We're going to give regularly. We're going to do it on auto pay or every Sunday we're going to say, what do we make this week? And we're going to give that portion, give very regular disciplined giving. In, in the Corinth church in 1 Corinthians 16 too, they, they set it aside weekly. That's the argument for like this regular ongoing giving in a routine. And, you, and shoot for a sacrificial percentage. Give the first, not the last. Not what's left over because you know how we spend. There'll be nothing left over. Give off the first. And I, I'm, young people, I'm, gonna tell you, I'm not like some great guy. I was trained this way as growing up. And I'm just going to tell you, it made my life easy that when I, when I got out of college and began to make money, because my parents had taught me this, I just meant every time I just set that percentage aside. And if I got an increase, I set you know, a little more. I mean, that, that automatically happened. Get into a discipline of regular giving. Second, give above and beyond that in special offerings. So as you are as an individual or a family giving in that regular giving, then when Mark, Marco maybe brings up a, a um, missionary or there's something happening in the city and y'all take up an offering, man, that's when I love, like and my wife and I will hear this missionary and like she might lean in my ear like, I think we need to give that family $75 or I think we need to make a special offering. I'm like, yeah. And it's, it's interesting when you really get, get in this, like you as a, as a family, like you'll love those conversations. How can we be a part of what that guy was sharing up front? What's going on in Mexico or what's going on, you know, in Papua New Guinea? How can we invest? Hey, kids, guess what? You know that missionary that, that we saw this morning? Our family is, is partnering with that family. We're invested in what's happening in that small village around the world. So, so giving in a disciplined, regular manner and giving above and beyond in special offerings to missionaries, to disaster relief. Maybe someone needs a car and you're like, man, we got this third car. And man, I mean, if you'll put a new battery in it, like we would love to give you this car. Now, could you junk it and make 800 bucks? Maybe you could. What if you could just give it to somebody? A washing machine. Give to a building fund for the church. Those are things I think that are above and beyond our regular giving. So as we, as we land the plane, we're, we're talking about stewardship. And I'm very particular. I'm talking about the stewardship of money this morning. Um, I want to just tell you my heart, and I, I'm very confident that it's Marco's heart and the, and the leadership here in the church's heart. Um, one, I, I want you to grow in this area. I don't know your giving, but I want you to excel in this area, just like the Philippians. Paul said he was able to say. Can you imagine if someone were able to say that at your deathbed? You excelled, man. You loved the church well. You excelled in this area. There will not be, because we make different amounts of money, 
There will not be equal gifts, but there can be equal participation. There can be equal participation. I want you to grow and excel in this area. Number two, I want you to store treasure in the right place. I am concerned, as Paul was, about the fruit that increases to your credit. I want you to store, store treasure where it's going to last. Number three, if you're not, um, I, I would like to see you get into regular disciplined giving. Like, plant a flag in 2022. This will be the year that I, I'm going to be, man, from now on, I'm going to be disciplined and regular in my giving. Next one, I would like to see you give sacrificial gifts and offerings above your regular giving. Again, the picture, begging, begging to give. What a, what a, great, what a great challenge. Next one, I, I want you to give generously and sacrificially with joy. Man, giving should never be a thing of compulsion. Um, it, 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 is a, it, it is a joy that your heart has been captured by the Lord Jesus Christ. And last, this, this only makes sense. Like if you're not a believer this morning, you're like, man, this guy's after my wallet. I'm, I'm not getting anything that you give here, first of all. But second, I'm not. Um, and you can't fire me. All right, that's another good thing. But I did park real close to the door in case y'all come after me after the sermon. I did, so I can make a quick getaway. This only makes sense. Notice what the Corinthians did. He says, uh, uh, this was back in chapter 8, um, 2 Corinthians uh, verse 5. They gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. This will only make sense this morning. If you have given yourself first to the Lord, you have surrendered the knee, you have surrendered your wallet, you have surrendered your ambitions, your desires, your 401k, and you have said, Lord, like uh, it's all yours. I am stewarding it. I'm like a ranch hand. I am managing the ranch, but I'm not the ranch owner. I have given myself to you. I am all in. Then what you'll find is this is really not about money, but it's about you and Jesus. Because you've given yourself first to the Lord. Stewardship of money. Let's pray. God, there's... Um, you have said that you're, you're bringing rewards with you when you come for your church. And Lord, first, it's just enough that you're coming for us. I mean, we're just so thankful in great anticipation that you are on, you came on a first rescue mission, and on the, your second coming, you are coming to grab your church and take you home, take us with you home forever. But you do say that you're bringing rewards. There, there, there is an opportunity for us to excel in giving sacrificially. In a way that pleases you and blesses you. 
and grows your church. And God, I pray that every believer here wants to be a part of that. And if someone is not a believer, we would ask them not to give a dime this morning. But perhaps they would stick around and talk with someone and say, man, what, why would you guys even think this way? What, what have you been given? What has happened in your heart that would allow you to talk about giving freely? And they might understand the greatest gift of all, the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.